Hi, my name is Phil Hoskins, Managing Director of Evolution Energy Minerals. We're a Tanzanian graphite developer with a development-ready graphite project that's predominantly coarse flake. We're also looking to become a vertically integrated supplier of battery anode materials at first into the US market. Um, sustainability is a, big a very important thing for us. We've got a resource with a lot of growth um, and we're development ready, um, subject to finance. Phil, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to meet you. Um, <clears throat> so what a, what a company, what a project. You've just put out uh, your, uh, your feasibility study, your DFS. Uh, could you talk me through the, the the headline numbers on that? Let's just kind of get the the building blocks of the project uh, kind of on on record. Well, so the DFS is just based off reserves. Um, it's a, a seventeen year mine life um, at just over fifty thousand tons per annum of concentrate. Um, the uh, and net present value is just over three hundred and thirty million US dollars, uh, an IRR of thirty two percent. Um, EBITDA uh, of just over $70 million per annum. Um, so quite significant cash flows um, uh, driven by product quality. And in graphite, um, it is all about product quality. Uh, we've got a substantial proportion of coarse flake graphite and um, the 101 on graphite is the larger the particle size or flake size, the higher the price. Um, so we've got substantial proportions of coarse flake graphite um, driving high margins, high sale prices, and um, uh, that's one of the largest or contributing factors to, uh, behind the economics. Good. And the, the capex on it is 120 million US. Is that right? Or 120 Aussie? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, 120 million US dollars. Um, obviously, uh, this is our uh, an updated DFS. Our first DFS was in early 2020. So that has come up um, as expected during the inflationary environment we're in um, uh, from $87 million three years ago, so quite consistent with the inflation you'd expect uh, on a project being built in Africa. And um, um, But uh, as before, the 120 is an executable number, uh, we believe. What was the... Uh, I know we've had a global pandemic, but uh, uh, what, was the, what was the kind of the key delay between... I mean, you know, DFS three years ago and where we are today. You know, why why wasn't it built then, and why why aren't you in production? Yeah, look, I think um, it, it's a story that could take a bit of time, but I'll, I'll keep it to a couple of minutes. Um, we were previously developing the project as a company called Graphex Mining. Um, I've personally been developing this project for uh, nine years, and um, uh, we had a, a funding deal with a group called Car Castle Lake, a private equity group um, that. Uh, uh, that deal was actually a, a short-term debt followed by a, uh, a longer-term debt and equity funding package uh, that was going to build the project. And unfortunately, when we delivered into the conditions of the shorter-term debt, um, uh, uh, Castle Lake, well, COVID hit, and Castle Lake were one of the largest owners of commercial aircraft in the world, and um, those aircraft were being grounded. And as such, uh, as was their their entitlement, they, they didn't want to go ahead with the larger financing um, so we had to restructure it. Ultimately, um, uh, the restructuring was uh, Evolution, newly listed company, acquiring the asset and being able to extinguish uh, extinguish that debt. So it wasn't a, a fault of the project. Having said that, compared to 2020, uh, where we're at in 2023 is a completely new world from both the Tanzanian perspective and from a graphite market perspective. Um, Tanzania, under the new president in the last 18 months, has become a um, a much more investor-friendly place to be. Historically, it's been a, uh, a fantastic mining jurisdiction, but there were some challenges under the Magafuli rule. Um, and from a graphite market point of view, I guess the battery market's always 
sort of been threatening to come and come, um, um, but it has arrived and um, uh, from a, uh, it's now up to 50% of the graphite market and um, yeah, incredibly exciting about what this next uh, few years is going to hold. Uh, well, let's, I, I do want to talk about graphite and its role in the, in the uh, sort of the batteries and its role in the wider graphite market and the maturity of that industry. But just, can I get back to the, um, the, the the project and the kind of the, the way that you're going to be financing it because when I look at uh, the share price you know the share price is under pressure it's, you're, you were at, I think three years ago or two years ago you were up at 50 cents or higher and you're now at 23 24 cents um, so the projects evolves the, the, the markets involved but um, evolution but not just evolution but junior mining as a whole I mean if you look at any of the companies that are, are trying to provide these critical minerals for the energy transition and electrification whether it's nickel or cobalt or um, i mean yes gold as well but the junior sector has been crushed by lack of available capital so for me that's almost the the number one issue is is where does the junior sector get capital from and i just wondered you know for for you guys what 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 happens next yeah it's a very interesting point i think we have a slide in our presentation that um actually shows the top 10 asx listed lithium companies um by market capitalization um now and every year over the last three years and i'm sure you'd sit there today not scratching your head around how a lithium project would get funded you'd go well that sounds incredibly easy but um so today they're valued at 35 billion, but uh, only three years ago uh, they were valued less than three billion, and and I'm sure even then maybe they wouldn't have thought it would be challenging to finance their projects. But that is where graphite sits. Is um, it's lithium a few years ago, and um, I don't think there's any doubt that the sector in general um, could use a lift. And and I believe, and when we talk about graphite, I believe graphite is the next one to go in that battery space. Um, I think in general with financiers, there's an education um, to take place. I think um, graphite is a little bit more challenging to understand than um, uh, than other commodities. You've got different flake sizes, you've got higher purities that can uh, result in higher prices, you've got um, various downstream products from spherical graphite for batteries to expandable graphite, micronized graphite, purified graphite graphene um, the list is endless and and i guess historically companies have always put forward um uh, the argument that best suits their story and um uh, and i guess as well the other elephant in the room um was cyro resources they were the um i guess the darling if you like um uh, the the first into production and i'm sure they would um admit firsthand that there were uh, some mistakes made along the way there and the product they produced was was not what they um, uh, thought they would be able to produce, um, and I think from a marketing point of view, the the strategy to come in with such high volumes of unqualified graphite at the time um, uh, into a market that wasn't ready uh, meant that they had to sell into refractory tenders and and low price things like that. So you've had this uh, the big behemoth um, have struggled. Um, uh, their their production has stabilised, however, and um, I think when we can talk about the market a bit more as well, it's uh, how are they now one and a half billion dollar market cap company, and I think the thematic into batteries is still ex- incredibly strong. And um, how will we specifically get funded? Um, we um, uh, have a number of expressions of interest from uh, Western banks. Um, we've got a group called 
Auramet running our uh, debt advisory process. Um, uh, Mark Tyler from Auramet was head of Nedbank's uh, resources financing for 15 years. He's running ours. He's also running Orcorp for um, their Tanzania Gold Company. And our expectation is that 50% uh, of the funding will come from um, uh, from Western uh, debt providers, that's South African, European, Tanzanian. Um, the balance is to come from equity. And one thing that we have on our side on uh, in that regard is um, a 25% major shareholder, the Arch Sustainable Resources Fund, whose stated position is to uh, follow their money through to FID. And they're an ESG fund out of the U UK and um, the capital to do that. So I think as Compared to a lot of companies, uh, certainly at this market capitalisation, we're not pushing the button on a financing uh, tomorrow. So we know there's work to be done um, promoting the company and and, um, and and also educating on the graphite market and where we sit within okay, it. Great. Thank you. That's a really helpful answer. Um, so in, in a sense, the the work plan for the for this year, as if I can read it right, is the the, the feasibility study work is pretty much there. But you're doing commercial contracts, working with the government, trying to get your final agreement, stabilisation, and um, you're, you're permitted for production. I we think. are. So uh, I'd say the the big work um, and milestones have been completed. So the DFS signs off on the technical work, and, and that work's been done to a high regard. Um, the framework agreement, which includes the stabilisation and those sorts of things you mentioned. So we've got a mining licence. We've got environmental approvals. The framework agreement is what uh, delivers fiscal stability um, and stabilisation and sorts out the free carried interest and we've agreed the terms of that and we're expecting to uh, have a signing ceremony with the government, uh, with the President in fact, um, in the first half of April. Um, so um, that's the final milestone for the, uh, the debt providers. Uh, we appoint an independent technical engineer to review uh, our study on their behalf. I'd say the on the ground activities um, uh, I'm quite confident that this mine will be financed, whether it's in the coming months or the coming year or, or whatever. Um, it's a very high quality project that is deserving of being financed into this um, uh, growing graphite market. So we are moving ahead with making preparations for what are the critical path items for this project. And they're, they're quite cap light on the, on the expenditure side. Um, the next six months requires us to conduct the relocation of affected individuals and um, uh, and under IFC guidelines, that's a six-month process to notify, um, build new housing and, and those sorts of things. So for a couple of million dollars uh, at a six-month process, that's the critical path, as well as um, later this year commencing the detailed design from an engineering point of view. So they're the main on-the-ground activities. As I said, they're capital light. Um, but as a company, uh, one thing we're really going to turbocharge from here um, is the pursuit of uh, vertical integration. Um, through last year, we um, uh, determined the suitability of our fine flake graphite uh, for use in coated spherical graphite for lithium ion batteries um, into the anodes. And um, uh, over the remainder of this year, we'll commence a feasibility study. We're very advanced on site selection. Um, uh, we want to advance uh, qualifications with customers to the point where we can announce MOUs and offtakes and and that whole strategy is um, around pursuing downstream processing uh, at this stage in the US um, and targeting non-dilutive government funding to, uh, to help fund that. And in the end, I think these vertically integrated supply chains, um, that can be how 
a number of the mines get funded because there is a lot of funding sitting down uh, at the downstream processing end. Um, governments, um, OEMs and electric vehicle companies and the like, um, that money does need to make its way upstream to mining because this EV revolution doesn't occur if there is no feedstock into those processes. And I could also imagine that there's um, your traditional equity uh, supporter of uh let's say capex funding for the chilalo project itself would be more comfortable knowing that there's um a downstream facility kind of vertical integration which is ex china because we're there i mean we can't ignore the the geopolitical uh nature of of the way that graphite in particular uh well the, the rare earths so many products are being refined in china and there has to be some re um uh, domiciling of of uh, refining capacity in Europe and in the US <clears throat> uh, for, ge for ge geopolitical reasons. Yeah. No, absolutely. So the, those finances. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say oh, offtake is very important to debt and equity finances. We have uh, for our course plate graphite uh, a binding offtake uh, covers about seventy percent of the concentrate revenue um, with the global leader for expandable graphite and graphite foil. Um, but then on the fines, that remains uncontracted and intentionally so uh, because we want to, uh, as we said, take that into vertical integration in the US. And your point about geopolitics um, uh, is a very good one. Um, uh, more than any other battery metal, uh, graphite is uh, dominated by the Chinese. Uh, three quarters of the, uh, the mining to uh, concentrate stage, um, as well as 100% of the current processes to go to anode materials. So there's um, purification to battery grade, there's milling and shaping or spherinization as it can be can be called, and coating. Now some coating happens in Japan and Korea, but um, those first two steps all happen in China. And uh, given China is now moving to become a net importer, they're seeking to take the flake graphite from around the world, process it in country. It's a deliberate strategy to dominate the lithium-ion battery supply chain. And this is what's caused um, Europe and, and the US, who are all very concerned post-COVID and for Europe um, post-Ukrainian war, uh, to understand for all of these critical minerals, uh, who are we reliant on and uh, what do those supply chains look like? And that's why we're seeing um, yeah, incredible uh, funding like the Inflation Reduction Act has promised uh, late last year but uh it just in terms of you, you're talking about the chinese production and the kind of the, on, on the on the growth of the market do, do you see the graphite uh supply chain as being a kind of a mature supply chain as as you know is, is this a, an existing industry that's been operating and um you know at a high level or a high output for many years, and that, do you feel that there's supply inelasticity because of that? Yeah, it's a that's a good question. Um, if I could just split it between course and fines, um, and I'll start with course. Um, historically, course plate graphite came out of Shandong province in China and and various other places around the world, but um, China's been producing seventy to eighty percent of overall graphite for a long time, and it's not a mature industry. It's um, quite a fragmented industry of uh, of miners and downstream processes and, and things like that. But I think that the supply chain most um, of your uh, um, listeners will want to hear about will be the, the graphite supply chain. And, and again, it's, it's, um, uh, it's not, a, uh, not a mature thing by any stretch. So you've got a, 
a bunch of miners through China, uh, China's graphite um, post Shandong shutting down for environmental reasons um, has is predominantly fines, um, but uh, uh, China is now importing uh, fines from Syrah resources in uh, Mozambique and from Madagascar as well. So those imports have have trebled in the last uh, last twelve months, uh, demonstrating the the scale at which they're happy to uh, hoover up all of the the flake graphite to be able to add the value. But um, yeah, I guess that supply chain, as I said, 100% of it has gone through China um, for the purification and the spherinization. And you do have um, large scale companies like uh, uh, BTR, uh, New Energy Material Co, uh, the largest anode material company in the world, um, based in Shenzhen in China. And um, they supply Panasonic and everyone else. And um, yeah, it's, it's, as I said, a supply chain that is heavily dependent on the Chinese um, and uh, something that uh, Western uh, countries and end users are looking to um, diversify away from and, uh, and uh, that only uh, spells good news for new sustainable uh, graphite production coming on board or online outside of China but with a strategy to um, take it from the mine site directly to uh, downstream processing um, on the, in the US or, or Europe for that matter. In your presentation you've got that slide which is kind of saying um, you know is the graphite going to do a cobalt or is it going to do a lithium? Yeah, you, you, um, I think one of the, the, the data points where you spoke about was kind of 50% of the of the market, batteries being responsible for 50% of the market, and you mentioned 50% earlier. Can you just kind of unpack that a bit, please? Yeah, it's something that um, we, we would get asked a lot. Why, um, given graphite is seven to 10 times more uh, mass by mass in a battery than lithium, why hasn't graphite um, gone through the same uh, commodity price uh, increase um, and those sorts of things. And um, uh, Benchmark mineral, Inte mineral Intelligence shone a light of, on this in Benchmark Week in uh, November 2022, uh, talking about how graphite had a substantial market before batteries came along. So your traditional industrial markets, um, excuse me, graphite used in uh, refractory bricks and the like um, uh, was a, a large part of the market. Cobalt and lithium um, had much less markets, uh, had much smaller markets before batteries came along. So that chart shows that um, uh, batteries became, I think it was 40% of the cobalt market back in 2016. And as it grew to 55% of the market in the following two years, the cobalt price went up three and a half times. Um, lithium, very similar inflection point uh, back in uh, around 2020, um, uh, batteries reached 45% of the lithium market. And in the following two years, it became 65% of the lithium market. So again, it was that infle inflection point through there where uh, lithium prices got up 13 times. Um, now graphite uh, is just approaching 50% of the market coming from batteries. Um, it's projected to be over 70% in the next two years. And um, as we've seen in those other commodities, this is a, a time that batteries starts throwing its weight around, the sheer volume required. Um, uh, I expect is going to increase both flake prices as well as um, the anode prices. There's been a substantial underinvestment in new flake graphite mining uh, and in the anode processing. And uh, I think it's far too late to avoid a lithium style price increase. I don't think it will be as um, as savage as, as lithiums, but it's unavoidable that uh, there's going to be price increases in uh, in the commodity. And that's why we're seeing such 
uh, so much stronger inbound inquiry from funds and brokers. And but I think it, it's that thing that that inbound inquiry started, um, but it's educating the market on uh, why uh, why different companies um, uh, make sense and those sorts of things. Thank you. Um... Yeah, wouldn't it be nice to get a, a, a lithium-style kick to the price? Um, I guess there's a there's a there's a there's a degree of macro uncertainty at the moment, you know, with with um, the bank and crisis, and yeah, it, it all just feels a bit shaky at the moment. So uh, yes, you might get the, the the strong fundamental upswing, but there's also um, there's a it feels as if there's a, it's a bit drafty in the in the global financial markets at the moment. Um, uh, moving to the US and the kind of the vertical integration plan, um, uh, you, you spoke about the kind of the value being in the, or the, the higher margins being in the coarser grain product. But is there not uh, value in the um, the spherical purified graphite, the, the, the in, in the kind of the downstream products of the of that chain? And you know how much does it cost to get to that product? You know what what kind of capex figures are you looking at in a kind of and timelines? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, you're right. And and so I guess when I'm talking about um, the higher prices, I'm talking about just at a mine level. If we're just talking about mining, just talking about concentrate, uh, we know that if you don't have coarse plate graphite, your mine is not going to be making any money. And and that's not just me talking my own book. You can look at Syrah Resources. 85% of the concentrate is fines, um, and they're at break even or just shy of that. And so. Um, I think that's a relatively tried and tested point now is that if you don't have coarse flake graphite, your mine, your mine itself is not going to make any money. But um, like I said before, Syrah is a $1.5 billion market cap for a reason. So whilst the mine's not making any money, the feedstock into downstream and the, the money and, and well, non-dilutive funding they've attracted, the, the Tesla offtake that they've attracted as well, um, certainly the, the size of the prize is significant. And in terms of what are the economics that look like to get there, uh, whilst we've done test work to determine suitability, um, it will be a feasibility study that uh, uh, that can derive those numbers. But if you wanted to work off, uh, well, my, my high level understanding of Cyrus numbers, I think around 30,000 tonnes of feed to produce 11,000 tonnes of anodes. Uh, their uh, number was 165 million US off the top of my head um, and operating costs of three, three and a half thousand dollars per ton um, producing uh, I think a product they were looking at pricing around eight thousand dollars a ton uh, I feel like there's a Tesla discount uh, included in those sorts of numbers um, because our understanding of selling coated spherical purified graphite into the US uh, we wouldn't be looking to do so for anything less than twelve thousand US a ton um, so there's absolutely fantastic margins um, it's not a, a huge capital cost um, compared to say a downstream lithium hydroxide coming in at the billion. So we're talking about a, a substantial value add. We're talking about a market that is again, crying out for new investment. Um, that investment uh, is likely to come um, partially from the US government themselves. And so if you can get the US government paying for half of the, the funding as they're, they're throwing out through uh, non-dilutive grants and things at the moment, um, if your NPV was half a billion dollars, your equity NPV is twice that. It would be a billion dollars. So the value to our shareholders to invest into that downstream business um, could be significant if partnered with um, uh, with government funding. So I think no doubt that the value is there and the, the opportunity is there. Um, and the, the questions then for us, we know the product's suitable. 
um, it's partnering with the technology and um, uh, in the coming months we'll be um, uh, able to talk about the technology partner with whom we've been doing the test work and they were the first group um, in North America to produce coated spherical graphite on US soil um, and if you can partner with that technology then uh, <clears throat> the world's your oyster and uh, you've got a product that's suitable you understand the markets and uh, and those specifications and um, they're the elements you need to, to be successful in that space. It, it, um, it almost feels that kind of where the junior resources spaces at the moment and the kind of these depressed stock prices, um, you know, your, your DFS came out and it didn't have a, you know, it didn't have a transformative um, effect on your share price. Um, it almost feels as if this, this is kind of a critical uh, steps I, I know you've got the commercial offtake into china which is fantastic and that, and that covers 70 percent of the of the of the mine uh revenues and that that's great it almost feels as if that that the um firming up the u.s side of things is going to be that transformative value uh um changer for your company yeah we certainly hope it is and um there was another dfs released on the same morning as ours and um, they had a very similar uh, muted response. So we, we had a, a good intraday response, but uh, unfortunately in this market, providing um, uh, providing a liquidity event to some investors is uh, too good to be passed up, unfortunately. So uh, we've got some analysts coming out with some research coverage in the next little period, and I'm confident that uh, with the general upswing in the market, we'll be able to get, it, get some traction. But um, certainly uh, I don't know how well the Australian and um, well, market generally truly understand the uh, the scale of the opportunity, not just in the US. Europe have announced the Critical Minerals Act. Um, they've announced the aspirational targets on um, critical minerals processed um, within Europe or sourced within Europe. Um, the funding, I think, is still going to take some time to come, but the US have really just sounded the warning shot here. Um, every country, if they're going to be competitive, we've tried to secure this downstream production are going to have to come up with similar uh, similar um, packages and uh, yeah as I said being able to uh, come out with some of those sets of economics um, uh, which is still some time away for us uh, uh, for our company but um, uh, and then positioning ourselves for that funding and um, certainly what we're hearing is that that funding is going to be there the next year it's going to be there the following year um, and it's going to uh, get more and more attractive as we move forward and um, yeah, we've got some key appointments we're looking to make in the near future that are giving us some of that intel. And um, I think that's when investors will be able to see not only is there an upstream mine that um, uh, makes excellent margins at current prices, driven by that that coarse flake graphite, but um, the fact that they uh, they have the fines available to go downstream and, uh, and appear to be positioning themselves with the technology groups um, and people were about to bring in, then uh, I certainly think that a light bulb moment happens at some point, and um, and I'll obviously have to promote the company as best I can so that uh, that that opportunity is understood. Thank you. I've got a couple more questions, and uh, um, one of them is about the technology in in the US. You know, talk about a technology partner. You spoke about one one group that was able to do it. Um, it's is it, has it been a massive learning curve for the U.S. companies to try and kind of match the the Chinese uh, advances? Um, yeah, the the company we're talking to, the the founder has been in advanced graphite processing for 25, 30 years. So there are um, like companies like Superior Graphite and Asbury Carbons 
um, have been a mainstay in the downstream graphite processing game um, uh, for decades. Asbury's been around for 100 years, family-owned business. Um, so there are uh, people outside China with that expertise, um, but not maybe not so, without the um, the commercial uh, experience at scale like the Chinese have. So um, I think the technologies uh, these days are relatively well known, al although they appear to be changing. I think historical purification has come by um, uh, chemical purification, toxic hydrofluoric acid, um, given this has taken place in China and the environmental restrictions have been much more lax there than um, that's been the purification method of choice. Um, it's quite nasty, toxic stuff. Um, Syrah Resources uh, have borrowed Chinese technology and are employing a, a similar route. The, uh, the milling and shaping um, is one where uh, you've got to do the work. Um, there are a number of different technologies, Chinese milling technologies, German, Japanese, um, uh, all with different, uh, uh, different pros and cons and obviously different capex opex um, and, uh, and different yields into finished product. And uh, we've been working with a group that's achieved fantastic yields into finished product. Um, and I guess from the, our technology point of view, we would like to stay away from um, hydrofluoric acid. Um, we need the numbers to uh, uh, to tell us that uh, that's what we want to do. But um, uh, we believe that thermal purification, uh, given uh, graphite's high heat resistance, um, uh, heating the graphite up extremely hot uh, in a furnace, um, uh, this can melt away the impurities. The test work for us has shown we can get to five nines, 99.9995%, which is an incredibly high purity. Um, but doing that um, in a renewably powered environment and uh, a low cost power environment, um, that in our opinion can um, leave us as uh, potentially a cost leader in the space. And uh, if you can take uh, what we intend to be very close to net zero concentrate out of Tanzania into renewably powered and thermally purified graphite, um, in the US, then um, in my opinion, your end-to-end -end supply chain into uh, battery anodes is as sustainable as any on the planet. And we can't ignore sustainability um, uh, going forward. And, and I guess the, the cousin of, uh, of natural spherical graphite in the battery anodes is synthetic graphite. And um, this is produced from graphitizing or yeah, heating um, the byproduct of the uh, oil industry, petroleum coke, at very high temperatures for long periods. It's an incredibly car uh, high carbon footprint. And so as uh, battery manufacturers around the world seek to uh, to lower those footprints and try to uh, deliver into net zero aspirations of, of governments, uh, we can't underestimate um, companies like us being able to deliver a, a very low carbon uh, uh, solution for them and longer term I believe that will also command a premium. Sounds like you need to be next to a, a, a renewable nuclear power plant because that's for me is the the most renewable of all but um, <clears throat> before we get into the um, th thank you for that that's, that's a really helpful answer. Um, my other question was you've you've sized your output to have a mine life of 17 years you've just worked on the reserves looking at the geology it seems as if you've got a much kind of bigger potential there. What's the discussion about expansion or um, perhaps reducing your um, reserve mine life from 17 years to, I don't know, uh, eight and a half years, double the throughput, um, and then 
work on the resource growth to get back to your 17 years, but at a higher output rate? You know, is, is it a market thing or is it a CapEx thing? At the end of that question, you hit the nail on the head with both of the reasons why we stayed the same. Um, we wanted to uh, keep the capital cost as low as we could. Um, and if Syra has taught us anything, as much marketing work as we've done, um, it's that trying to sell 100,000 tonnes of any signature of graphite um, out of the gate is challenging or, or would be challenging. And so we wanted to um, ensure that selling a number like, it will probably be closer to 60,000 tonnes in the first few years, but um, uh, being able to make sure that we can sell uh, all of those tonnes uh, and make sure that we can repay debt or, or early cash flows as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, keeping the capital costs low, we're, we're far lower than our peers. Um, there's some with 300 million US dollars plus and um, whilst we're talking to banks that want to finance graphite, um, they're also not wanting to sort of jump into the water to that extent, I don't think. And um, so we think that we're um, the, the high margin, low capex, the marketing work we've done. Uh, we've also, uh, I've omitted to, to mention, we've um, got a guy called Michael Borgignon on our exec team who built Cyrus Balama project. So we've got someone on a project execution that's actually done this in the graphite space. Um, and having someone like Arch as a project sponsor. These are the these are the five things I mentioned in my quote to the announcement that uh, the reasons why the banks are interested in doing a deal with us. Um, so yeah, CapEx, market, um, but then uh, you do ask the question, well, what does it look like long-term? Uh, we did some drill drilling towards the end of last year. Uh, those results will come out soon. So there's 33 kilometers of conductive trends that we know um, are graphite. If they're not graphite, they're going to be massive nickel sulfides. So, um, uh, but uh, as much as that would be a good result, I'm, I'm almost certain that it's graphite. Um, and uh, so we know we'll be able to, to double production, triple production. Um, and that's really important to be able to grow with your customers' needs. Um, customers can spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars qualifying, um, qualifying a, a graphite signature into batteries or, or expandables and foils and and they want to know that if they've got a growing profile of, of sales that we can grow with them. And um, I think uh, Blind Freddy will be able to see that uh, when we start releasing results and uh, you can see that the length of some of these trends that uh, uh, we will be producing graphite for many years to come. So just to wrap up, could you block us out the kind of the, the news flow for the rest of the year? We've got kind of three quarters left to go. Um, just kind of give, give a summary of what you're what you're aiming to tell the market. Yeah, so this is uh, obviously end of March right now. So I think in the near term there'll be uh, the draw results. Um, we've got some sustainability related things, uh, Digby ESG uh, assessment and our our sustainability report. Uh, signing the framework agreement with the Tanzanian government um, in April, um, and then. Um, many announcements on uh, on the downstream side. So um, we've been working very hard under the hood uh, on all of that. So I think the branding, the key appointments to drive it, and the announcement of the technology partner and the arrangements with them, um, potentially uh, scoping study level numbers, um, uh, and then the commencement of a, uh, a bankable feasibility study. Uh, and also landing on the site selection as well uh, in the US. So um, there's a lot of things there. I, I think from the mine level, there'll also be that um, the commencement of um, uh, the relocation of affected individuals and and detailed design um, and uh, and updates on our project financing uh, 
uh, all of those banks running their due diligence and the independent technical engineer reviewing on their behalf. So um, we're very busy, um, but uh, it is quite simple. It's a, a mine that um, has high margins and is low capex into a uh, into a market that uh, we believe in the next 12 to 24 months is really poised for some uh, some uh, drastic price increases and and I think a, a vertically integrated downstream strategy that um, I believe is is perfectly positioned to be to apply for U.S. government funding and um, and we've got a, a board that will um, uh, roll with the punches there and and not try to push the button too early to to dilute our shareholders because I believe that um, uh, the deals are already going to get better. Um, there will be partner funding and, and offtaker funding around the place. And um, so we've got to do what's best to drive uh, long-term shareholder value creation. Phil, thank you very much. Good luck with the year ahead. No worries. Thank you.